You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome back, everybody, to the Michigan Life Outdoors podcast. And we are throwing in a bonus episode for you because we're celebrating morel season. Morel mushrooms are popping up all over the southern portion here of the lower peninsula of Michigan. And we wanted to get this content out as soon as they started to show up in good numbers to hopefully give you guys uh, here in the state of Michigan some points to um, and some tips of where to find them, how to find them, how to prepare them, uh, preserve them. It's morale season. It's an exciting time. What can I say? It's just what it is. And for everybody else who kind of live more north of us down here in the southern part of Michigan, your seasons are going to be coming, or your weeks are going to be coming here in the in a few days. So I'm hoping that we can get this out in time for you guys to enjoy this bonus episode. Uh, it was something that we kind of just did off the cuff, but we loved it. I don't know anything for the most part, as you'll find out about picking morales, but KP and CP joined the podcast again to share their uh, their years of experience. And you know what? We had a great time doing it. So I hope you guys get out there, find these magical treats. And uh, yeah, remember to follow us on Instagram at mylifeoutdoors. DM us if you guys have questions. Uh, let us know what you guys think about the podcast so far. But uh, here we go. Let's get into it. Rock and roll. All right, rock and roll. Welcome, everybody, to another podcast. We've got... The team minus Tom, but we've got the Poopard brothers and then myself. And today we wanted to get this episode out to you guys ASAP because it's mushroom season right now, morel season here in, we'll say, the lower part of Michigan. Yep. And uh, this is like a bonus episode that we wanted to get out because we don't want you guys to miss your window. 
uh, some hot tips that the Poopar brothers are going to be selling to you here of how you can find some morels. But um, a little bit of housekeeping stuff here in the state of Michigan. Uh, right now, it is currently May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. So happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Taco day. That's right. And so right now is your opportunity to apply for bear and elk permits in the state of Michigan through June 1st. Uh, have you guys ever drawn? Yeah. Have lucky, you? lucky me. Did you really? What'd you, you drew a bear, right? Elk. You drew elk? I drew elk. First time I ever applied. I thought everyone got the tags. I didn't know it was once in a lifetime kind of luck. First year I ever applied, I applied on the last day and uh, got drawn in any elk permit in Michigan. We went up to Atlanta. And when we got up there, it was really unique. Everyone there put their applications in on the last day. So then I started telling my buddies, hey, you got to apply on the last day, right? Nobody's ever got another one. Maybe it's just how the drawing worked out that year. And I got a nice five by five elk and uh, lucky me. And so at that time, you couldn't apply for 10 years okay. uh, again. That time has expired, so I can apply again now. But I kind of think now once you get it, your lifetime. lifetime, you're done. It's, and that's Carson talking over there. There's no way, you know, KP could pull that off. So <laughs> that's the older, older brother lot going on on that side of the table. That's insane, man. I think my, my grandpa pulled, uh, I think, four years or five years ago now. And he'd been applying for like 20 years. Yeah. So I think when I got it, there was 25 any permits. So they gave out 25 permits. Yeah. And I don't know how many thousands and thousands of people applied, but yeah. And you were young. You were young. It was the first yeah, time you ever applied. See, 19, first year I ever applied. The dean and I were super helpful. We had to go to a mandatory meeting. If you weren't getting them at the first day or two, they were kind of helping you. The success rate was like 90 some percent or something. And uh, yeah, just... I got up there, they're like, oh, you love me, you know, you Dude, lucky butt. You're lucky son of a bitch is what you are. That was great. Uh, how does that work? You have to take him with a rifle? No, you have anything you want. You can use a bow. You can use a bow. Okay. It was snow on the ground. It was late. I don't remember. I want to say like December or something like that. Well, there's two of them. So you can, you can hunt in September. Okay. Or you can do the late one, which is probably the one that you got too so and then when when i got it was probably in like 2003 okay, okay and it was uh only one season at that time i i believe gotcha. and we got it in the late in the winter snow we tracked them down like we just followed the tracks and walked them right down and people were helpful and cut off roads and a couple different options but we made it happen that's awesome all right everybody listening out there put in for your applications and uh i think they say that the bear one goes on points too. So like if you don't if you put in for your application and you don't draw, you know, basically you get a point then going into the following season. I think elk is more random. It's like 100% random. Like you can't get points and have a higher risk of drawing. No, right? I don't think that's true. I think you get a point and every time you get a point your name goes in the drawing another time. So oh, okay. if you do your first year, you get, you know, your name's in the hat one time. Gotcha. And if it's your second year, your name's in the hat two times. Your 10th year, your name's in the hat 10 times. So your odds do go up, but it's it takes a lifetime to get one. Damn. Um, and then if you want to do a bear hunt, and you might want not want to do it this year, or an elk hunt and not do it this year, still apply for the point. You can apply and just get a preference point without actually going after that license. Okay, yeah. You can just by your point gotcha so if you got something already planned in the fall and you just wanted to hopefully you, not draw your bear tag is then you'd be having to choose on which one you want to do plan for the future yeah right all right the next thing is this is something i came across today 
It is called House Bill 4088. And this is sponsored by Rep. Ken Borton from Gaylord. And what this basically entails is it's going to, the House bill would like, if it goes through, it would allow an individual to engage in wildlife feeding if feed is located within 600 feet of residence and no more than two gallons of feed put out at a time. Wow. So I don't know. I mean, I think they're opening a huge can of worms right now with this. This, this from what the article says, it's for winter feeding to help them get through winter. Now, I hadn't seen any, like, I, I would imagine if the bill went through, they'd have to put dates and they would also have to put, you can't hunt over it from your house. Right? I'm hearing opportunity. But at the same time, what's why do they not want you to bait? Because you could potentially spread disease. Correct. Reason. So is disease not get spread in December and January, but it does the other 10 months out of the year? That's why I'm saying they're opening up in a can of worms here. And for him to even, for them to even want to introduce this right now, especially with the whole debate down here, downstate with CWD in the southern zones and the outbreak and, you know, people against baiting, people for baiting, uh, you know, the conspiracy theorists against CWD. It's like, why would you even try to introduce this right now? I just think like if you give these people an inch, they're going to take a mile and other people are going to run with this. Um, just in my opinion. And we'll see what happens, right? We'll just take whatever opportunities come. You can hunt with a gun as long as you're more than 450 feet away from a house. A house or, or a street or a road a dwelling yeah, structure or something like that. And then that's six hundred feet, so you're saying there's a sweet spot. So you could put your you could put your stand or your blind in bet- well on the opposite side and still have the bait six within the six hundred feet range, but you still hunting within what what's left whatever's left over. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, some people have some pretty awesome deer blinds. I don't know what considered uh, right. uh, occupied dwelling they might be living in their hunting blinds. Yeah. And here we go, we got a six hundred foot window. Now, what is the fine? I heard it was pretty low. Am I accurate with that? Like something like a dollar fine if you get um, caught baiting? Is that is that true? Michigan? I don't know about that. I think it was proposed. I don't okay. know if it went through or not, either. honestly. The fines were pretty hefty down in the CWD areas, I thought. Okay. I'm not sure either. We'll have to look it up, comment below, or figure it out. And yeah. Go back. Let but, us uh, know if you guys brought that. But also, let us know your opinion about that, or if anybody knows more about this bill. It just got introduced, um, sponsored by, uh, again, Ken Borton up in uh, the Gaylord area. And uh, yeah, I want—I kind of want to see where this goes because I feel like a lot of hunters are gonna be very creative with this. But just my opinion. Yeah, we'll see. Talk about the secret stuff, huh? Yeah. Mushrooms, morale mushrooms. KP. Get on Facebook, you learn it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna share some tips today, no doubt. It's been a phenomenal mushroom season. We wanted to get this episode out because they are popping and big and huge and. The yellows are up, and uh, this is in southern Michigan, so you will have some more time in the northern lower half and and uh, the upper talk peninsula. About talk about talk about for the beginning how our weather's been over the last two weeks. South Michigan lower peninsula dry, dry, yeah. dry, dry. I mean, yeah, we've had some rain recently in the last week or so, but 
my pond, I have a pond in my backyard. I mean, it's seven foot lower than it normally is. He has a creek in his backyard, floods every year. All of our rivers here in our county, everything is low, low, low. It's somewhere low right now. But it hasn't been super hot, and we're getting that dew every morning, which probably feeds them. And uh, so let's tell them about when you go mushroom hunting, right? So the used to be the way is the first dandelion that turns white, then your blacks are up. When a lot of dandelions turn white, you know, the kids blow them, yeah. blow oh, off, yeah. then the yellows are up. Right now, all the dandelions are white, and we're finding big yellows, right? And that's in southern lower peninsula, Michigan. But nowadays, you check Facebook, right? And you got you like all the pages, and you check the podcast and all this stuff. And southern Ohio was hammering two weeks ago. Right now, it's prime time. You got about 10 more days, and today, Cinco de Mayo. So you got about, you know, a week and a half prime time, and then you start going north. And, and it's usually the same time of year every year, right? So it's always the third to fourth week of April carried into the first and second week of May. Usually by Mother's Day, they're absolutely peak, and they're starting to be on the downside. They're starting to dry out, and they're starting to decline and start to be done for the year. Then you start heading north, you know, going upstate and stuff. Is there any signs behind the dandelion thing, or is that just like an indicator of what, you, like, the time of year to look for them? That's just a personal indicator. That's, so. that's CP's brain for you. That's Carson's <laughs> brain, how it works. Mushroom grow. <laughs> True. Hey, look at the dandelions. Yeah, that's totally his style. Yeah, because nature goes at the same time. They, they're so whatever it takes to make the dandelions bloom enough to, you know, throw out their seeds is the same sun and conditions yeah. that the dan- that the mushrooms, morale mushrooms. For me, it's also the it's kind of the same observation, same time frame. It's usually like the second to third time I want to mow my grass. So the first time I let it grow, the first time of the year before I cut my grass, it's usually eight inches before I get the mower out, right? And uh, and then by that second time, I'm starting to look and make sure I'm not running them over. It's the same time of year. And you have enough leaves on the trees where you can decipher between a dead tree and a live tree. So all them things tie in together, right? It's just different indicators. And... Um, Lee, you talked that you did a little bit of searching through the woods. I did terrible. So <laughs> I uh, I was trying to take advice from you guys, and you know I've got, I don't know, roughly 11 to 12 acres of woods behind my house. And so I was like, there's got to be morels out there. So I started walking back there. I kind of followed the, you know, the brush roll on the way back there to look in there. I don't know if they would grow in there or not, but I was looking in the brush roll on the way back. And then when I got to back to the woods, it was – you know, from my standpoint, it was like overwhelming. I don't know where to start. So I guess use me as a guinea pig. Yeah. As I walk into my woods or someone's walking into a set of woods for the first time, where would you point them in a way of like, hey, here's how to eliminate some ground and here's where you kind of want to start to focus. Absolutely. Let me take this one for a second. So dad got us into mushroom hunting and the only tip they told him was you got to look up, not look down. And you're going through the woods and you're searching on the ground all over the place. Yep. And dad's like, what the heck does that mean? They're not up in the trees. What the, you know, how do you look up and not look down? So that took like three years to figure out, like, you look up, you don't look down. And like, they wouldn't tell a secret. Now you Google it, you get these podcasts, you, you find all this information. We're going to share some awesome tips for you. And Kel is probably the best to take at that one. Yep. So the nitty gritty, we're looking for dead trees. 
multiple dead trees that we can find them under ash elm um, dead oak we can find them under all kinds of various dead trees dead stumps um, and some live trees as well such as pine trees all the time we find them underneath pines we find them under apple trees and soil we're looking for sandy soil or or it can be just you know regular dirt soil but sandy soil has always been really good for me and good vegetation good medium to good vegetation on the ground okay and not next to running water here's a question this could be a dumb question but you said dead trees are we talking about dead trees on the ground or are we talking about dead trees still standing good question so uh you have to still have bark on the tree if the tree has lost all of its bark then that has used up its superman juice okay and so um has to have bark it cannot be in an area that floods so if they're right on the creek, but it's the highest side of the creek, it might be okay if it doesn't flood there. If it's in the lowlands or right in the ditch line or on the bank, like the angle or down. standing water, marsh, any of those things, be you, flooded. you will not find them. You will not find them. So we're looking for uh, looking up, not down, for these magical things that are dead trees or live trees, fruit trees, that kind of stuff. And you can't go to the apple orchard. I already tried that because they spray anti-fungus stuff on all their apple trees, which kills all the mushrooms. So I'm, oh, no shit. I'm knocking on every apple orchard around. Be like, this is going to be great. Well, they spray just so you can't do that. But uh, other other uh, apple trees, natural. And then I like the vegetation to be 50-50, it seems like. So you're having some green, but you're not just overwhelmed competing with these and, other and vegetation. by vegetation, we mean uh, ground cover. So we mean growing from the ground, like, you know, little little plants, little weeds, little stuff that's six inches tall or a couple inches tall. That's actually, it just shows signs of growth. If you go in there and it's flat, bare dirt and there's nothing growing, you're probably not going to find any mushrooms. And again, these are all general rules, right? So there's always exceptions to rules and things, but these are predominantly how we find them. And then when you can tag team these rules, so you said apple trees next to that pine tree, next to that dead tree. Oh man, look at this. Next to that soft sandy soil you can see in the farm fields where it starts to turn white a little bit and back to brown. Man, this is some good soil in this general area. And then you have that tree. So we... Do not walk out in the woods miles and miles and put boots on the ground. Damn it. <laughs> we hunt them from, from our trucks, right? Yep. And so we find these scenarios, and we don't know, and we're like, oh, that's a good scenario. Let's go knock on the door. Let's drive by some of these properties that we have permission for. And then we go up, hey, you mind if I check this tree? Everyone's Most people don't mushroom hunt, so they don't, they don't care. We're going to be here for five minutes. We go out. We look around that area. We find them or we don't. Within two minutes, we're gone. We're checking the next perfect scenario. Um, yep. And sometimes they're right from the road. I found two or three different trees I could see from my truck on the road this year, and I could see mushrooms growing in the ditch within four foot of the road. To me, that's uh, that's road property. So that's uh, that's fair game. Not in the ditch. Are you talking like on the other side of the ditch? or Other side. But, I, but all these, when I say ditches, I mean more of like, Drainage ditches that never have water in them, gotcha. or they'll they'll have standing water, but there's no flowing water. Just basically just run off from the road, right? So I could just walk right across it, like one foot dips. That's in every yard. That's what he's talking about for I ditches. And I then once you. you get flooding water, then it's a no go. So if I see this perfect scenario, say this apple tree, and it's uh, right on the side of a river, 
and it's uh, 100 yards in the field, I might not even knock on that door to go check that because I'm like, ah, oh, it's going to flood there. It's not going to work out. Or if the tree has no bark on it and it looks like it's a 10-year-old dead tree. So typically the first year they die, they release all of this. I don't know what it is. So we're going to call it enzyme into the soil. There might be, say it's a big, beautiful tree. There might be 100 mushrooms underneath it. And then progressively that enzyme year after year gets less and less. So it might be 50, 20, they'll vary, you know, four years down the road, it might have three and then it'll be zero and it'll be zero forever after that, which is crazy. Done. And Done. We've, we've had them in our yard so we can monitor them. We can make sure nobody picks them and watch the progression of these, how they, you know, go from a ton to all the way down to nothing after so many years. And they years. do grow. So if you find them as blacks, which are the smaller ones, which was a week ago, now they're starting to turn yellow and bigger. If you got a spot, you feel confident nobody else is going to find them. You can let them grow, but you don't want them to dry out. A couple hot days, they'll dry out. Yeah. If you're not just knocking on the door and you think the other person's going to be knocking on the door too, then it's time to pick them right and you just yep. make your decision. And um, yeah, so the live trees, the fruit trees, and the pine trees, uh, you could produce year after year in the same spot because they're alive. They're going. And then them dead trees, especially your area right so like maybe the east side of the state's different than the west side of the state i know we check different trees when we go north and when we went south in west virginia and then we went in ohio we were looking on the north side of hills but it was hilly there mm -hmm. so we're in flatland so i'm not checking north sides of hills anymore because we don't have hills around here right so every area is a little different we gave you a lot of factors right but you're looking for those circumstances and then when you see that you go check that area quick and then you move on to the next perfect yep. scenario. And I would say this year, it's been hands down the best year I've ever had as far as finding mushrooms under the most amount of trees. And, uh, and well, percentage for you would be, you know, 40 to 60% of the trees I'm checking have mushrooms underneath them. But just like anything else, it's about volume, right? So if I check four trees a day or if I check 40 trees a day, my percentage goes through the roof, right? So um, that's what we try to do is move fast, move quickly. I'm in and out of a tree in just a few minutes and moving on. Uh, I think that makes me feel worse because if they're having such a good year and I still can't find anything, I'm They struggling. might not be in that woods. You might search the whole woods. And if there's not them scenarios. Yeah. You could probably put, spend a hundred hours in that woods, and you may not find them. Where Cal's spending three minutes, five minutes on that tree, and then he's doing jobs, going around, and you know, driving right to these places, and just, hey, honey, can I pull over real quick? Or doing whatever he's doing, and uh, checking these perfect scenarios, and then sending you pictures. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> the uh, the other thing, so I'll I'll tell you where I screwed up. Just is just my, you know. Mushrooms, you think like moisture. So I was looking in the woods in areas where maybe it did hold water. So I was kind of looking for those like, you know, those those leaves that were decaying that you could tell were still kind of wet and stuff like that. So right off the bat, I was already screwing up. I was, I think I was going to the wrong area of, and, of the and, woods. And that's just our observation, you know, from doing this since kids. It's just we've never found them in wet areas like that that right. flood. So. I take it for what it's worth, you oh, know yeah, what I mean, yeah. just personal experience. But. And then Lee, one of the other spots I forgot to mention, um, dogwood trees are fantastic. And you can really tell a dogwood tree um, by its bark. You know, it just jump right at you and almost bite you. It says roof, roof, dogwood tree for you. and uh, Real rough bark, right? Yeah, real rough, you know, <laughs> a little barking on you. And then I was thinking how we prepare them. 
I was thinking they remind me of Forrest Gump, how they do all the shrimps, right? And I'm like, we like them with onions, like them with steak, and you have you have fried mushrooms and butter mushrooms, and that got me to smile the other day. I was thinking they're just excellent, and my favorite way is probably uh, simple and a little bit of butter, salt and pepper. When we get them, there's a couple things they need to know mushroom. We cut them in half. And we rinse them a couple times, but we don't soak them in water because that'll like dilute their flavor. Yeah, let's talk about the preservation of it because the, a couple things that I read online, and I don't know, I want to get your guys' opinion on this is like after you pick them, you have a window of when you should be eating them. And I, from what the consensus was that I read online, it was like no more than like four days. Would you guys kind of agree with that? or? Yeah, I mean, no different than buying a piece of meat and throwing it in your fridge, right? right so okay. that makes sense. I mean, that seems like the general rule for bacteria growth. So I'll go with that. We don't typically let them go any longer than that. And then uh, we've had a couple of our buddies, and we're trying it this year. We're going to dehydrate some of them. I think they're going to lose quite a bit of their flavor, and they're going to get smaller. I mean, they're not as good as fresh, right? Nothing's the same as fresh, but um, we're going to dehydrate them and vacuum seal them. Yep. Dehydrate. I've done it one time. I actually let the sun do it, so I let him sit out for a day in the hot sun in the middle. You know, like a really hot warm yeah. day in the springtime, and um, and then and then I I canned them dry. And uh, how and was that? It was good. Um, we rehydrated for my wedding party is a couple years ago, and um, they rehydrate to about sixty to seventy percent. So when you put them back in water and you get them back out, they uh, they don't get back to full size, so they'll get to 60, 70% of their original size. And uh, But they were good. Everyone liked them. And we're going to try the dehydrator this year, and that yep. should be cool. Um, I guess we should talk about cleaning them. Yeah. Uh, we typically cut them long ways or vertical, uh, directly in half. And I take the sprayer in my uh, sink, and I just spray them down real good both sides. Like I said, we don't soak them, but I'll spray them real good. If they are going to sit in the fridge for a little bit, I typically put a wet paper towel on the bottom and a wet paper towel on top. I don't want standing water in the bowl or whatever I'm using, but I like to cover them so they stay moist, and that way we can eat them fresh. And then when you're going to pick them, leave the if you they have roots if you call that but the dirt clump don't pull them out don't pluck them you want to either cut them with a knife or break them off so you're leaving the oh i got you half inch or inch into the ground and you're just taking the stem and the mushroom the other thing we should talk about is you can look up there's tons of edible mushrooms we only eat morales uh, there's a false morale it looks very similar and what the difference is you have your stem and then your top which is your bumpy Part. I'll just call it, Google it, you guys will see what I'm talking about, the bumpy part. And the false morels are, look like an umbrella. So the bumpy part comes out to each side and does not connect to the stem. It's just an umbrella. So it comes out to each side and it does not connect. That are Some people eat them. Mm-hmm. I've also heard it's controversial. It's controversial, but if it's that much risk, I'm not going to take the risk, and and I'm not going to eat them. False morels. Why is it controversial? Like it mess you up? Uh, some people have been eating them for years. I, I think it's just Google talk. You know, like some people are like, oh, they're safe. And other ones like, no, they're not. They're poisonous. And I think there's just so much chitter chatter out there. Nobody really knows oh, if I it, wouldn't eat that. Yeah, uh, a lot of people have said I've been eating it for years because I'm I'm on a couple pages that. Uh, or mushroom pages and they're eating a hundred other different kind of mushrooms that are crazy and um i've tried a couple of them and they weren't my favorite and other ones i just don't know so if i don't know i'm not going to mess with them but the morels are amazing i love them yep and if you guys google that picture you'll see a lot of times in false morels they have a much much longer stem yeah it'll say like the stem is 80 percent of the mushroom and then 
just that 20% little tip is your, um, is the, you know, that old mushroom <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But, um, yeah, so take a look at those. The other, the morales are not like that at all. They're usually Kelsey like. getting some good gestures going on over here. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of tip talk going on. <laughs> uh, so the other part, Tom said it pretty good, was um, if you cut them in half, they should be hollow, right? Okay. All right. Because then that whole mushroom part, I don't know what you call it, the yep. fruit, is hollow in the middle. The stem ones. Yeah, the stem will be hollow, but the other piece isn't hollow because it's not connected. So you want it connected. If you cut it in half, it should be hollow. Google a couple pictures. It's pretty easy to see. And we just eat the morels. And if you're in southern Michigan, now's the time. If you're in mid-lower peninsula, uh, about two weeks from now, which should be mid-May. And then if you're higher than that, then it should be a couple weeks after that. If you're in the UP, it should be maybe three weeks from now or yep. something like that. And if you want to do the mushroom tour, you start early. You know, start uh early april you can be down south of us and just keep working your way up as the weather changes the mushrooms will grow throughout the midwest and up into the up northern michigan so getting back to like how you guys typically cook them so like you wash them is there a way other than what you said when you dehydrate them to preserve them like let's say like because the other thing you want to do is like you don't want to pick too many and then waste them so i guess is there a way like you said like rehydrate them like would you recommend that to people or for first timers just kind of pick what you think you're going to eat in the next week yeah well it just depends how many you have right so if you if you find 20 or 30 you probably should you probably be happy go home put them over a steak and eat them if you find you know a thousand either you got to have a lot of friends or you got to figure out a way to preserve them right never don't pick them they're bragging rights like major and they're delicious and so be generous and give them away because they are they are top notch, and it's tricky, right? Like as you said, you couldn't find any rightly. So find shit. people, people are like, "I want them," and and then um, if you ever wanted to make a hobby, they could sell for top dollar, right? If you ever wanted to make some money, oh, um, dude! If you go to like like right now, if you walk into um, like Whole Foods or like some, you know, like when they sell it, like I don't know, I guess it would be a bushel, right? Is that right? Or no, a quart, no. a quart, yeah, a quart, a, a quart, not a bushel. Sorry, a quart, kind of like like. Well, you get strawberries in. Yeah. Yep. They're like eighty dollars. Yep. For that, and then it's like, holy shit! You you now realize how valuable they are, and you're only going to get them this time of year, and that's it. And you can't grow them. Like that's why they're right. too expensive. So my mother-in-law bought me some magical grow morale potion stuff, and I'm sure she paid a pretty penny for it. I planted them under my pine trees in two years, and then like in the middle of summer, the wrong time, I got two mushrooms. They were already dried out, and like I was like raking it, trying to put compost <laughs> on there. I'm like, yep, no wonder they don't sell them in the stores, right? Yep. They just need this perfect circumstance. It's probably too expensive to reproduce <laughs> to make them grow, and. Uh, so we check our little spots and we get them once a year. It's a little delicacy and yeah. uh, I love them. I yeah, they're, they're great. Top, top notch. And we should probably, I know we talked briefly about it. We should talk about cooking them one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want uh, to get into that. So we typically rinse them real well, both sides. You know, they'll have some dirt and some bugs in there and stuff. Roll rinse, the police. Yeah, uh-huh. rinse them out real good. Uh, I typically will get uh, a sweet onion. Cut that all up, and I'll get that going in some butter, some oil, and a frying pan right on the stove top. So I'll get my onions going for 10, 15 minutes, and then uh, my grease will be nice and warm and put the uh, mushrooms in there, season them up, and we just saute them in a pan. Man, they're awesome. Simple. takes about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on your heat level, and, and then we'll get a nice piece of meat on the grill and cook and put the mushrooms right on top. They're awesome. And now when you eat them, they're kind of like soft then at that point. So yeah. it's almost like a... 
what you would think of a mushroom, kind of like a spongy soft, yep. uh, kind of like how the onions turn almost like caramelized. Yes. So it's going to be a texture that I think everybody would enjoy. You know what I mean? They're Absolutely. Top notch. I do about the same, uh, rinse them a couple times, especially if they're in sandy soil. Um, there's a lot of divots, I'll call them, in there. Rinse them, rinse them, rinse them. I don't like to soak them, but I like to rinse them, rinse them, rinse them. If I have a double sink, I'll rinse them all, put them in this side of the sink. I'll rinse them all again, put them all back, and then I'll put them on towels, kind of dry them off a little bit. I like Kelly's idea, keeping them moist, just a, a damp towel in the fridge or in your Ziploc bags if you're going to have them for two or three days or something. Um butter i put them in butter salt and pepper and cook them they are dynamite love them awesome if i'm cooking a couple batches because i can't fit them all in the pan at the same time i will pour the excess water out in between putting my next batch in that pan so it doesn't dilute the flavor of them so uh, they shrink down quite a bit and when they're shrinking down they're like a sponge right so you lose your moisture get a little standing liquids in there pour that out do the next one and and lee you cooked him yeah i dropped some off to you the other day so i did the research and i did the moist towel thing so right now they're in the fridge and we've got steaks on thawing for tomorrow night awesome that's what it's gonna do yeah i'll I'll be expecting a picture yeah kp was like santa claus it showed up our house yesterday and dropped off was kind enough to drop off some morels and then he also gave my daughter $10 for her birthday, which was freaking <laughs> awesome. She was stoked about that. So for, as soon as I walked home from work, she's like, your friend gave me $10 for my birthday. I was uh, like, oh, no way. Oh, uh, you got beautiful family, man. That was really precious. Yeah, so it, that was awesome. Do you, uh, I mean, do you, you obviously share the wealth with... Uh, you know, a lot of your friends and Absolutely. family. Absolutely. Like I mean, that. you got to send a podcast and we got to help each other out here. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. A lot of trading going on. And uh, that was too funny because I was uh, had a little side business. So I had a, a 16 foot enclosed trailer and I'm out mushroom hunting with a trailer on my truck <laughs> trying to get in and out of driveways and stuff. It was too funny. What about our buddy had a pretty awesome day uh, last week when we posted on bragging rights and uh, he got a turkey in the morning. He found a deer shed. Yeah. And what then, was that about? Yeah. Jason Vandale. Shout out to Jaybird. What's up, buddy? If you're listening. And uh, yeah, so we had a heck of a day, right? Got turkey in the morning. Great morning. Turkeys weren't cooperating. He saw dead trees there. Like, hey, go check this out. And there was a lot. I don't know how many, 75 or so mushrooms underneath oh it. Oh, my God. And he was sending us videos. And, and then he'd come back to his blind. And he was getting ready to pick his stuff up, and there's a tom turkey in the field. He had already left his blind, went mushroom hunt, come back, and there's a turkey in the field. <laughs> and he uh, he called it in, and he he ended up getting it, which was awesome. Cool and story. And then he found a shed or a, a deadhead. A deadhead, deadhead. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm like, dude, what a morning. Yeah, that was a trifecta. A bag of morel mushrooms, a eight-point deadhead, and a tom turkey. Michigan special for you right there. Maybe if in the springtime, don't pick the mushrooms. Hunt over them for a little bit and see what uh, <laughs> see what pops up there your you way. Go. There you go. Um, so you, the other question I have was, you guys ever have them deep fried? I haven't. I've heard everything's good deep fried, but yeah. I haven't. Um, in the restaurants, right? You go, they're not yeah. morel mushrooms, but other kinds. They're awesome. Uh, I'm sure they'd be great, but I really like the flavor of them a lot. They don't need much, um, but I bet they'd be good both ways, right? I didn't know if it like ruined the integrity or the flavor of them when you deep fried them or something like that, but... They're so good. They're just not going to mess with it. It just works. I can't wait, man. That's going to be great. Um, yeah. So everybody listening to this right now, get out there. This is your time. Kind of figure out with those zones that... Uh, you know, Carson and Kelly were talking about where you kind of line up within that timeline, where you're at in the state of Michigan, 
and uh, get out there. And if you guys get some morels, make sure you tag us in it. Uh, My Life Outdoors on Instagram. And um, yeah, show us what you guys got. DM us, let us know, and let us know if, you know, this wisdom. And I'm curious to hear all the listeners out there. I want to hear your best year ever. I want to hear your count. And I'll go ahead and share ours with my dad. It was quite a few years ago. We were pretty into it. 1,128 was our best year that we've ever had. Oh, my God. And we kept a little tally on the fridge. Every time we brought home 30, we'd mark them. And we spent a lot of time, of course. And uh, so that was the best year I ever had. We we don't spend as much time now, but still having a pretty good year this year. And then you made a bet with him. About a hundred and one spot. I, I bet him. He bet me twenty bucks. I couldn't find a hundred morel mushrooms under one tree, and I took the bet. I was pretty young, and uh, I I went. I found as many as I could. I'm picking them, picking them, picking them. I get home. I have ninety six in my bag, oh. and I'm like, no way. <laughs> I got back in the truck. I went back to the tree. I found five more. I got like a hundred one. I won the twenty dollar <laughs> bet, and uh, I won. So it was a pretty good. Tree. Five that you missed, or five that just grew underneath oh, that tree. Five that I missed. I went oh, back okay. like an hour later. I'm like, there has to be more. And I'm like spreading like the bushes apart and like trying to find them, but. Oh parts pay your bets that's yeah perfect. he did he paid up and that was a good victory i gotta imagine too uh you're this is something you could do with your kids if you kids love it my my uh seven-year-old is begging dad i want to watch him so bad we haven't had him for a full year and i got uh two honey holes we're going tomorrow one's at a resident it is five feet away from their brick house and there's these couple apple trees right next to these pine trees and literally we're in their landscape and we've done it three years in a row now and we'll get a lot there like 10 or something you know it's just perfect conditions dad we'll go to that one lady's house and like yeah we'll go ask man super nice people and so every time this time of year we, we go and say hi and i got a funny story about her i go up and like uh miss thank you for being so cooperative letting us come here you wouldn't happen to have like a myers bag or something said, no i'm sorry i don't have a myers bag but i have a kroger's bag for you <laughs> <laughs> it's all like oh you're the best kroger and i'm talking about a little plastic yeah, bag right yeah, yeah. And, like i could care less where it's from and i'm, I, I'm just trying not to smile or make her feel bad because i'm just rolling inside like yeah the same thing i'm talking about yeah man that'll work just fine <laughs> morales don't care what they go into. yeah yeah so anybody you have you know have some kids you know and you want to spend some time in the outdoors take them out there and uh you know obviously show them what it looks like but they would i would, I would imagine my girls i gotta take them out there one time but then you could spend an hour out there walking around and Absolutely. maybe give them i don't know 10 cents 25 cents for each one and and then other adventures start with this, right? So, like, yeah. we're rush mountain. We meet these nice people. Oh, how many acres are you doing? Oh, 20. Oh, you ever seen a deer back here? Are you ever doing anything? And that just leads right into the next step. And then you find these other places. And um, we even checked a couple state land places around. And, like, you're scouting and shed hunting and mushroom hunting. And it's just more of the great outdoors. Yeah. Is there any etiquette to mushroom hunting, like, on public land? I don't know. Is it, like, a free-for-all? I didn't know if there was like an etiquette, you know what I mean? Like a courtesy thing. That's a good question. I honestly don't run into people. I don't walk too many woods, you know what I mean? Like I tree hop. So I don't run into too many people. I may see a truck on the side, you know, the road or someone and I'm like, is that guy mushroom That looks like a good spot, you know, but no, I don't, I don't really run into too many people. There was one guy, uh, not last year, but the year before. And he left his calling card. He had the peanuts, the peanut shells. And every time I'd go to check, there'd be peanut shells at the bottom of this. And I'm like, 
you little you little rascal his you, calling card. it's his calling card he's a peanut man wow. and uh <laughs> i i was going down the same area that he was going and he was looking for the same things i was looking for oh, or she dude. maybe or them i don't know and uh looking i'm like gosh dang check this spot next spot find these peanuts and then the third spot i found i'm like oh this is his calling card he's the peanut he's the peanut mushroom man yeah whoever you are if you're listening <laughs> peanut man <laughs> I, I, you have you. good style i like your spots too <laughs> All right, everybody. This is your uh, morale mushroom episode. So make sure you get get on out there, and uh, we'll be back with some more great content, and some more stuff uh, coming up here. So, and the date is five five May fifth. So if you're listening to this a couple weeks from now, it's probably over in the southern part, but start heading north, and they're going to be still still up there. So closing tips: look up, don't look down. Don't look in flooded areas or areas that have previously flooded and don't just walk aimlessly in the woods <laughs> well it's cool to find uh sticks and other stuff but <laughs> yeah deadheads, <laughs> deadheads. And everything else. not so much mushrooms though all right everybody thanks for listening thanks